I'm actually really nervous about getting this one right just because it is Avatar the Last Airbender. Yeah, I'm in a I'm in a, actually a strange spot too with uh what to do. <laughs> I guess we could start with a reintroduction. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press retrospective or I guess a new season cuz we're going to start breaking these up into seasons depending on what series we're talking about. So happy Amblin. It's on hiatus. Season 1 is complete. It'll probably be just as many seasons as this show we're here to discuss, and we don't really talk about TV shows here too often. I think the last time we did was Hannibal with my friend and co-host, Matt Garingo. Yeah, that's me. We talked about Hannibal once, um, which I've also been rewatching <laughs> Because recently, uh, both uh, the show we're here to discuss today and Hannibal have been added to Netflix. Yeah, it's just like Tumblr in 2014, the glory days. Or, was that the glory days? I don't know. Maybe it was I, earlier I, than that. I think I, I remember 2012 being the glory days. That might be it. That was like the height of Walking Dead popularity and everything mm-hmm. too. So yeah, that that that, that seems about right. Yeah, it was, bef- it was before like Supernatural and Doctor Who like all like made it had a massive downturn. Oh yeah. And it was also uh, pointedly, and unfortunately, I gotta go here this early it was an election year oh yay it was the year we all dunked on Mitt Romney for being a rich guy um remember he said binders full of women that was memed (sighs) a lot and then or if you were my friend in 2012 I was the insufferable guy being like uh Obama's drone warfare is a war crime (laughs) This is supposed to be our child, like family-friendly episode. Yeah, yeah, we're already off the rails. That's okay. Uh, we're here to talk about Avatar: The Last Airbender. Speaking of war crimes, a hundred years ago, a powerful being was frozen alive, and the world fell into darkness. Now he's back for some unfinished business. Will you go penguin sledding with me? Meet Aang. He's twelve, and he's the only one who can save the world from the forces of destruction. Did we mention that he's 12? Avatar, The Last Airbender. The legend begins whether he's ready or not. Premiering Monday, February 21st at 7, 6 central on Nickelodeon. But uh, the the show itself is not a war crime, though it does feature them. And I I don't know if I'm going to keep in the opening. I I did when we started recording this, but I am genuinely more nervous about messing up this retrospective than any other one. Because I think this is the greatest animated series of all time. Uh, I I don't think that's an unpopular opinion. But this is a show very near and dear to my heart. And having rewatched every episode like a dozen times by this point in my life, I still just want to do it justice. And also maybe talk about how the first season does take a minute to kind of get going. Oh, I I disagree. (laughs) I, I don't – I mean literally like a minute. I, I do not mean – there's nothing wrong at the forefront of this series. I, I want to make some things clear. I'm going to be a little tough because I – like I said, I truly believe this is the greatest animated series of all time. Mm-hmm. But and, um, I, and I like I it too. I think there's some stuff. <laughs> and, okay. Oh, you do not feel the same. No, no. Uh, all right. Here's the truth. Uh, I love the series. Um, I wish – it was as big as Star Wars. Maybe not, considering how the Star Wars fan base has been lately. 
Oh, but... we'll, we will get to 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 that divisive fandom stuff because we're not just going to talk about the Last Airbender. Uh, we will be talking about the film. I'm going to try to convince Matt to talk about James Cameron's Avatar because that's actually kind of important to the production history of the yeah. Avatar cartoon. Yeah, yeah. And then here's, Legend of Korra. Here's how important it is. Um, they had to change the name. There. I, look. <laughs> there, there. We, we covered it. James Cameron's Avatar was so big that they had to change the name of the movie adaptation and future adaptations. Because even though this is technically the Avatar franchise, it has been supplanted by another Avatar franchise. We're still going to talk about the movie. I'm going to make it happen. All right, sure, fine. Okay. I kind of wanted to save that for James Cameron's own retrospective leading up to the release of the Avatar sequels. I mean, there's enough to talk about Avatar, but we can get into that both behind the scenes and on the show yeah, we're later. Gonna, because... we're, listeners, we are going to fight about this the entire time we're recording this. <laughs> yeah. It might not be resolved until after we're done with this solo retrospective, but whatever, whatever. But what we'll I was saying was, I wish it was as big as Star Wars in the sense that I feel like this is a world where I would love to exp- like go really deep with the lore, you know? and explore the different aspects of it and hear different stories. And I wish that it was something where after X number of years, we would get a new trilogy of stories. Um, so far we have two. (laughs) (laughs) See, I actually, I definitely agree with that, but I don't want like a trilogy of avatar sequels. I want, or you know, actually, yeah, a trilogy of Avatar sequels, but four Avatar series total. That would that's been my like my dream. Like I don't even want to be a part of it. I just want to see that unfold. You know, so you get one from every like bender in the Avatar like status. I don't know. Like I, I just think that would be really satisfying, but if I don't think do, that's going to happen right. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> but sometimes we'll, we'll it's always see. it's better to just be happy with what you got. Oh, totally. And if you follow me on Twitter, which you probably do if you're listening to this, then you already know how I feel about this. But now I get to talk about them individually, kind of. Um, So here's how it's going to work before we get into the meat and potatoes of these first five episodes. That's how we're breaking up the first season or book of Avatar The Last Airbender. Each episode in the retrospective will cover five episodes in the first season, potentially five episodes in the second and third season as well at a time but given how the structure starts to change in later seasons of the show um that might change but just up front that's the that's the approach generally that we'll be taking on this so the first five episodes we'll be discussing on uh, avatar the last airbender are chapter one the boy in the iceberg chapter two the avatar returns chapter three the Southern Air Temple, Chapter 4, The Warriors of Kyoshi, and Chapter 5, The King of Omashu. And Star Wars fans, and since we're in that wheelhouse already, will recognize the director of actually the like at least half of the first season, uh, Dave Filoni, directed and wrote on a bunch of Avatar The Last Airbender's first season. Um, but he did not stick around after that, and... It's obvious why he had to go make a Star Wars show. He heard heard the call of a George Lucas. Hey, hey Dave, I loved your work on The Last Airbender. (laughs) I'm going to take one guy. (laughs) 
because much like me, I you did everything on the show, just like I did everything on the movies. Yes, that's how film works. Yep. Dave Filoni, <laughs> director you. of uh, the Mandalorian episodes. I guess. We don't. No, no, no. That's okay. The Clone Wars is great. Let's focus on that. Did you see those <laughs> roundtable discussions they've been doing? Not yet, actually. I'm actually really interested in that. Uh, they're interesting. If you like Star Wars and you like propaganda films released by the Walt Disney Corporation. That's the the big thing barring me from checking out more of the Disney documentaries. Man, this is – I got to – one thing. Uh, I'm, it is very disappointing that now we live in this age where because behind-the-scenes features were so beloved during the early DVD rush that now whenever we get behind-the-scenes stuff, they're so, like, crafted – and they have like a narrative to them, you know, like yeah. they, cause like you, you know, if you get like Star Wars, the original trilogy on DVD, you have like the box set where they talk like, we all thought the script was stupid. George almost had a heart attack in the middle of filming. It was a disaster. No one knew what they were doing. But then the movie ended up good. And now it's like a movie where we know a director was fired halfway through. <laughs> and then those the behind the scenes is like. I've never seen such a well-crafted story, and what we're doing here is really making something for the fans, and because that, we'll get into this later, but I really think when we get to Legend of Korra, Legend of Korra deserves a documentary of just, like, what the fuck it was like trying to make that show. <laughs> yeah, because the the circumstances were pretty different for The Last Airbender and Korra. What's so. that? There's a... There's a documentary about uh, the Emperor's New Groove. I think it's called, like, The Hot Box or something like that, where it, it's an illegal documentary. Like, it could never officially be released because Disney wouldn't give permission, but it's out there. <laughs> and it's basically about how uh, Emperor's, like, Emperor's New Groove went from being Kingdom of the Sun, which was the original, like, a very serious look at, like, Incan culture... And, like, this, you know, in the tradition of, like, Disney epics. And then it became, like, the first out-and-out wacky Disney comedy. And it's uh, in interesting to see the inner workings of, like, Disney in that era. <laughs> I I have not even heard of that, so I'm oh, really interested in checking really that out. It's really good. I, it was on YouTube a little while back, but it's always getting, like, pulled. Like, I'll, I'll track it down. You'll, you should be able to. I mean, on, on a torrent site or something. But for Avatar The Last Airbender, the show was created by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konietzko uh, with a head writer credit to Aaron Has. Now, Matt, you brought up something very important uh, well, before we head into this discussion. We, uh, we, we picked uh, Avatar The Last Airbender because considering the climate of society right now... <laughs> Um, everything is awful, so we wanted to pick something that was a little easier and a little uh, simpler and maybe not made by awful, problematic assholes. Um, so we picked Avatar Last Airbender, and uh, in doing so, I found out that, to quote the Wikipedia article, in November 2019, several female former employees of... Uh, it has? Is that how you say it? I have no idea. I it has. I have no idea. We probably don't even need to worry about respect. I apologize the name. to this asshole. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, you know how, like, you shouldn't, like, you know, misgender a trans person just because they're an asshole? 
yeah, I feel yeah, like it's course. probably wrong to mispronounce someone's name, even if they're a scumbag, but you're, I don't know. You're probably right, yeah. So apologies, but he worked at Riot Games, and he treated female employees like dirt. And there's been a lot of shit about Riot Games as of late. Uh, you can look into that. Uh, Makers of League of Legends, um, which apparently AOC made a tweet recently about playing that during the pandemic. Cause, cause her Twitter game is on fire. That's why she's popular, Diego. Oh, that's the only yeah. That's the only that's reason. The only thing about her that's resonating is that her Twitter game is on fire. Yeah, it's not like she's pro Medicare for all and like basic human rights and shit. See, she's young and hip and diverse, just like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he was the nominee. I just want health care. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's the Twitter game. <laughs> um, but, but but this asshole is kind of, I guess, a, a, put a damper on our, on our excitement a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's something to keep in mind. Uh, although looking at it, it looks like he didn't directly write that many episodes. It's a you know, there's usually a writer's room. Let's hope that he did not stifle the creativity of a lot of women maybe working on this show. Yeah, please. That would be awful. I mean, all right, this happened. is... I'm sorry, we're not even getting into the episodes yet, and, like... And I have a lot to say. <laughs> yeah, th this is just what's a bummer, though, about, um... This is why I'm having trouble kind of going back into this, I which I didn't expect, honestly. <laughs> um, because, as Diego joked off mic with me, that this was kind of, like, from the, the peak Tumblr era, which we were... But we're both veterans, so... <laughs> Uh, this was one of the main, like, fandoms that was on there. And watching this just brought me back to all of that. And not in a good way. Oh. Um, and not in, in a kind of, like, more innocent time kind of way. But also in a we don't see the train coming down the track that's about to hit everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things is... And this goes up until a few years ago where we we may, like, I and I don't, like, single people out. I feel like I, a lot of hands are on the wheel, including my own, that we've started to mistake progressive victories in our pop culture for actual progressive victories. Yeah, and I think we've actually had this discussion before, given my comments on certain films that... Do not even need to be named. I'm not even saying that because of my feelings on them. I'm just, it's a point that has stuck with me. And this made me think a lot recently about how I approach pop culture that I admire. Like Avatar Last Airbender was like one of those shows that was held up as like, this is a win for progressivism, you know? And we'll actually get into it because it gets like it, that stuff comes like really quick, which I was also surprised by, you know, a lot of talk of, oh, progressive win. This is one of the most progressive kid shows out there. This, this has a large female fan base um, because it, it seems to be much more inclusive as a show and much more welcoming than other franchises, which up until recently seemed to be a lot of sausage fests, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just, it's that thing of like, yeah, that's great, but then the head writer of the show went on to treat employees like dirt, specifically female employees. And with the wave of stuff that's been coming out, like, behind all the protests that are currently happening right now, 
there's also been a wave of you know new accusations in the comic book industry and the video game industry in a lot of creative fields about just how many predators and abusive assholes are in them and it a lot of them were guys who often hid themselves in the guise of promoting progressive works you know or elevating other voices and it's it's something where like I love this show and I'm gonna be very positive about it but I'm also like I'm very reluctant to be like rah-rah about it you know yeah I don't think there's anything wrong with praising it as a success when on, on its own like fictional terms like oh this is like a great like storytelling device that amplify like like reminds people to amplify things in front of the scenes you know unfortunately that that behind the scenes like stain is something that we have to remember you know just yeah. because you're enjoying a work of art doesn't mean that it needs to be worshipped blindly either not just because like on on its fictional terms obviously we're talking about like the production stuff here and how people are behind the scenes and people with human lives and and failings and uh and their own things going on there, there, there's no clear cut praise here i guess Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, The Boy in the Iceberg slash The Avatar Returns. Again, directed by Dave Filoni, written by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konietzko. This is the world's introduction to Avatar. And if you're on the internet and you're, you've even had a hint of the Avatar fandom, you know the opening long ago, yada, yada, yada. 100 years, Fire Nation, the Avatar vanished when the world needed him most. I want to stress this. I understand why you're you're giving a recap and everything, because that's what we probably should do. But if you're listening to this and you haven't watched this show, you're out of your mind. Go watch the show. Actually, you know what? Not not just to speed things along for the conversation, I would actively recommend that you watch the show and then come back and listen to us talk about the episodes. Yes. And then hit, hit me up on Twitter, hit Matt up on Twitter hit the waffle press up on twitter or whatever in the youtube comments whatever just i i love talking about this show so just just get it out there um but seriously do not listen to these unless you've seen the episodes we're discussing yeah so there you go that's if that's you're it. if you're following me feel free to message diego too yes <laughs> that's that's it just don't message, message me. me i don't want to talk to any of you <laughs> definitely message matt uh, talk to him about AVPR. But anyways. Oh, um, that masterpiece. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you watched the the beginnings of Avatar? Um, I'm not sure if I remember it exactly. I just, I remember it being very hyped. Um, Nickelodeon put a lot into it. Because I believe this is the first quote-unquote dramatic animated series that Nickelodeon was doing. Um, and possibly only. I don't think they ever did anything serious again. Well, they did Korra, but they, well, yeah, yeah. They had uh, a little bit of buyer's remorse after that one, so which is again, strange. that's something that'll be saved for later. But yeah, it's very fucking strange. And I'm guessing very it was Nickelodeon's strange. attempt to cut in on Cartoon Network, which at the time was showing like you know, Toonami had like anime, which was you know, most of those were not comedy series. Um, they had the Justice League cartoon, which was still on. Uh, I'm guessing um, the big one was probably something like Samurai Jack, 
Oh, which, yeah, Samurai Jack was around this time. Which I think it maybe gets canceled this year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it was, like, a huge critical, like, success. Um, and it was, like, really popular among critics. It was always winning animation awards, but I think the, the fans didn't really stick around that one as long. Um, but, you know, trying to cut in on that market over at Nickelodeon. And I'm, it must, maybe it didn't work, because they never tried this again. Um, yeah, I don't know, because, like, it's such a weird thing. And this is something we're always going to be able to go back to, also, because I really do want to talk about, like, the story of these first five episodes. And I, I brought up maybe a slight criticism that I want to address. Huh. But, because kids shows... It's not so much about the viewer numbers, and now we know that the that how they actually like acclimated numbers is like bullshit, anyways. Yeah, and yeah. No one knows how to count anything. Whatever, it's a mess. But the big point of profit for them is in selling toys, and so for this, they were always trying to push like new designs for the characters on the creators and stuff. Mm. And there's a very funny joke in later a later season about that. That also works as a joke, like, in the show, but if you know why it's there, it becomes even funnier, and we'll get to it. You, you really can't miss it. Um, well, I doubt it was made for this reason, but considering what happens in one of the episodes that we'll discuss today, there's a very funny example of maybe diversifying the outfits of these characters. Um, but I doubt it was made for toy reasons, and I doubt there was a toy made of it. But we'll get to that one soon. <laughs> yeah, um... But I, I, they also ran into this problem where they didn't market the toys and and like the the, the kids yeah, I stuff. don't you remember think this would have been like a huge thing because people in our age group like everyone who's seen it universally loves this show. I'm sure there's like some person out there who's just not a fan of it and that's fine. But we'll never get along. But like everyone knows it and likes it or at least understands why it's so popular. So I don't get why they never made that big push at all. Yeah, I don't but remember any toys related to this. Um, do you do you remember when this first came on? I I don't. No, oh. <laughs> I, I know I know I watched it when it premiered. I remember seeing the Will you go penguin sledding with me commercials? Yeah, I remember that being all over the place. Yeah, I mean it, it's cute. It's adorable. It's great. Um, but I don't remember actually watching that first episode and I like to pride myself on actually having a pretty good memory when it comes to things like that. I, ha I have no recollection. The first episode I actively remember watching was the Southern air temple. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was like, I would try to tune in every Friday at a relative's house or my grandma's cause she had cable too, or I'd catch them on the marathons and they'd be like, the new season premiere, we're marathoning everything up to this point or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's how I'd, that's how I'd catch up. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't remember watching the first two episodes. And they did premiere back-to-back -back February 21st, 2005. Because it is, is really this... one big story, these first yeah. two episodes, you know? It's almost like enough story that you could turn it into a movie. Oh! Uh, we'll get to that. Um... Yeah. And let me ask, this might be one of the earliest long-form storytelling um, children shows introduced in the United States. Because um, now that seems to be the thing, you know? If you look at 
a lot of the animated shows on TV right now, there's like storylines and like even something like regular show has like storylines that have beginning, middles and ends that are across multiple seasons of the show. Well, I'm not even super into it. I'm just aware of it. (laughs) Whoa. I didn't, Um, I didn't know that at all. Well, I just, I I know a lot of this is because I'm, I'm a huge Steven Universe fan. So I get a lot of like overlap with those shows. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I still need to finish that. Those last three seasons. I I haven't finished it either, but uh, yeah, it's on my list. Uh, I could have watched it today, but I, instead I decided it would be a good idea to watch Francois Truffaut's one four hundred blows. Oh yeah, that's that sounds great. Which has put me in a weird frame of mind right now. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I I remember this because like up until now it had been like. Like, the Justice League cartoon had a lot of multiple stories on it, but they were usually pretty self-contained, you know? Occasionally something would happen that would shake up the status quo, and then Justice League Unlimited was, like, kind of the first one that had, like, a full storyline over an entire season Mm -hmm. that, like, built up to an end where it was, like, Brainiac teaming up with Lex Luthor and shit. (laughs) Yeah, it was insane. (laughs) Yeah, it was actually really, really fun. Um, and the only other examples I can think of are like, again, Toonami, which are importing shows. Cause like Dragon Ball Z was like, tune in next time for the exciting, whatever. Oh, actually, and, you know what? Um, Jackie Chan adventures. I don't, I think it was uh, before this and that had season long arcs. Really? Like an ongoing narrative. Yeah. Did you never watch Jackie Chan adventures? I, you know what I did? N- none of it has lasted in my brain. Oh my God. I, the first four seasons. They hold up. Okay, I I don't know why it just never like got into my head. Like whatever it was about it, and I remember liking it as a kid. You know, it wasn't like yeah. I disliked it, but it just never stuck. No, no, I, I get you. Oh my god, it ended two thousand five. So oh, this is right. handing off the baton to Avatar: <laughs> The Last Airbender. Okay, which is well, a significantly better show. No disrespect to Jackie Chan Adventures. Well, I guess what I'm saying is I think there are examples beforehand of storylines leading into each other, overarching plots and stuff like stuff that would... But even then, you could watch the episodes in chunks, you know, divorced Mm -hmm. from each other, you know? Uh, You don't need to see the previous episode to understand what's happening in the episode in front of you. And this is the first show I really remember where it was like, if you miss something, it felt like you, you, like, it was a ba- it was a big deal. Like you, it could throw you off if you missed like one or two episodes. I completely agree, and I'll use this also to make the first, hopefully non-controversial claim that this show has no filler episodes. I think people that say that don't understand what they're talking about, and they heard it on Tumblr ten <laughs> years ago, and it never left their brain. No episode of Avatar: The Last Airbender is pointless except for maybe one and everyone already kind of knows what it is you know what i don't remember um, okay well because i my my frame of mind with the show is i i remember watching it when it was on and then i remember x number of years ago sitting down and rewatching the whole thing because i bought it on dvd um but i haven't rewatched it like multiple times i think this will maybe be my fourth rewatch um for this so I don't, but even then, the way my brain remembers it, I always remember the seasons. I don't remember the individual episodes. Um, I used to be like that too, but then I, I just 
I've seen it so much that I I can kind of remember every little detail, which okay. is whatever, you know. Uh, I don't have well, a life anymore. We're going to have to challenge you on that no filler thing as we go on. But I do hate the term filler episode. It's ridiculous, it's, right? It's like yeah. any well, show worth its salt will never waste your time, period. You know? Well, the <laughs> like, worst is that it's usually used when it, they mean like, no big event happened in this episode. Yeah, but that's like, like, but most shows are like that. You yeah, know, that's I, I think. I think it, it comes or it stems at least from a lot of like attempts at critical analysis that like prefer plot over character stuff. You know, it's like, well, what's yeah. the episode about? Like, is it moving the story along? It's like, well, it's moving these characters' lives along. That's why mm. you watch the show, right? So well, that's it's not wasting your time. That's why I think Steven Universe is kind of a perfect show, because, like, a lot of that, it's like, they almost embrace the filler episode nature of it, but there's always, like, an emotional arc that's huge, even if what's happening is incredibly mundane. And I Mm -hmm. think sometimes even fans of that show don't understand that. Where they'll walk away and be like, yeah, it was just Steven, you know, helping with pizza deliveries. But meanwhile, it's like, oh, he opened up this other side of his personality. (laughs) And this yeah, will be like a big he deal. Lars come to terms with something or whatever, you know. Yeah, and I it, it kind of amazes me that flies over so many people. It, it would be like sitting down and being like, "Yeah, you can skip most of Star Trek: The Next Generation season three. Just watch the Borg episodes." You yeah, know, that, w- <laughs> that would be like. I mean, honestly, if I was a writer on either of those shows or any of the shows were mentioned, and I heard someone say like, "Oh yeah, like the season's so good, there was hardly any filler." I'd be like, that's insulting. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, do you know how much work went into, like, every individual minute of any television show, let alone animated ones that take years and years and years to craft from the ground up? Mm-hmm. Like, because the original pitch for this show, you know, like, they conceived it, like, in 2002 or something like that, and it only yeah, aired for the first time in 2005. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, I know there was a long road to it. And also, it's that thing of, again... With filler episodes, if I really love the show, I'm going to love the filler episodes. Because when I really, really love something, I've mentioned it before, like, where I always want, like, my mythical great Marvel film where it's just those characters hanging out, which is, like, all I really want at this point. I don't need them to fight anyone anymore. (laughs) Because that's always the most boring stuff in those movies. I know. But, so, it's like... What would be constitute a filler where it's like, oh, we got to have a party or something. That would be my favorite episode, probably. (laughs) (laughs) And Avatar The Last Airbender has a couple of those. But first, it does not. First, it has to get the story going. And I will say, I think it is cute and good. And just knowing where the show ends up. A little slow. And I don't mean bad at all. I don't mean anything negative. I just can't divorce the show I know it, it as it comes to be as what it was when it starts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I hope I'm not being too harsh or cruel. Um, I don't know. I did get that feeling too, but I think it's just because if we if we look at it from the perspective of uh, the hero's journey bullshit, um, having gone through the series, it's just weird to go back to the beginning when we know what's coming. Because it almost feels like a very mundane start, you know? It mm-hmm. doesn't... You, you, 
it's not what the series will be known for later. But I think like the uh, like Star Wars, um, this is one of the shows where when you starts out, they give you enough information to understand what's going on, but also hint at things where you go, oh, they have this whole world figured out before it even starts. Mm-hmm. And you can you get the sense of the bigger story happening um, outside of it, which is always what gets me excited about things. I think what really surprises me every time I go back to this, apart from just being like, again, not to be harsh, I just, it's hard for me to separate it. Apart from me just being like, uh, it's it's cute, but it's not the show that I know it, it becomes, is that the characters are so well-defined right off the bat. Yeah. And how much they go through emotionally in the first three episodes alone, <laughs> you know? It feels like entire movies or television seasons and other, like, lesser programs, it, it takes them much longer to get to where they are at the end of, like, the first three episodes alone. Uh, and that's, like, remarkable. Um, but we we start off uh, with Guitar and Soka, brother and sister. Soka. Um, <laughs> did you say Soka? Oh, did I did I say it uh, wrong? Yes, yes. Hey. Soka. Oh my Sokka. god. What what? How should I say it? I don't care. Soka. Soka. I thought I said that. No. Uh, well, it's you know fine. what distracted me. You know what distracted no. me. Uh, in the sequel series, he was voiced by Chris Hardwick. I I know, I know. I, 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 I didn't know that. I totally forgot know. that. No, uh, shout out to to my pal Angie Han, who just went through this series for the first time too. She was like, "Should I start Korra?" And then she was like, "Oh wait, Sokka, her favorite character, is voiced by Chris Hardwick." She's like, yeah, "Maybe I'll wait." Don't worry. <laughs> Only in flashbacks, right? Yeah, but still, uh, you know, that's pretty rough. Hmm. Um, okay, so uh, brother and sister Katara and Sokka, siblings from the Southern Water Tribe, uh, get into a, a, a spat because Sokka starts off the show as a straight-up misogynist. Definitely, but it's also like, again, it's so interestingly defined where it's, he's trying to fill his father's place because he's the only, like... A, somewhat adult male left in the village because they've all gone off to war. Oh, no, no, totally. Yeah, like, everything is really well defined in in their, like, the characters' identities and stuff. And just, uh, you know, we get some backstory about Katara being the only waterbender in the South yeah. Pole. And Sokka is just kind of brushing off, like, ah, oh, you're weird magic weirdo freak. And when she she like has enough of it, you get the immediate sense that this is not the first time, obviously, right? But when she's lashing out at him, like angrily in response, she straight up calls him a sexist. Yeah, uh, which feels and, like if it was done today, there would be like fifty dudes screaming in the webcams about this woke propaganda being forced upon our children or something. I mean, yeah, but also so, the show is clearly, like, in support of her because that action allows them to discover Aang, frozen in the ice. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, watching that was really exciting. I was like, oh my god, I forgot how well that's just, like, realized. One thing I forgot was his reaction to her waterbending, like, 
calling it magic and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot that word. There's almost a vibe. I don't remember if they how long they keep this, but because of the war with the Fire Nation, that there's almost like a dying of you know the other benders as like a common thing in the world, especially in the Southern Water Tribe, which feels like it's not in the best place currently. No, I mean it's like I didn't understand this at first, but is the implication that the South Pole is just it's not just that little tribe, right? It's like little pockets of places, or is it just that little tribe? Um, I'm guessing there's more, but it felt like I don't know, actually. Um, who knows? I'm honestly a little confused about what the Southern Water Tribe is supposed to look like at its peak. I don't know, but we do end up seeing it in Korra. Spoiler alert, yeah, I guess. Sorry, everyone. But I'll have like, to pay uh, more attention when I watch it there. But you do bring up an interesting point, and I think that was almost, like, the intention, like, to go the straight-up Star Wars route. Like, oh, bending, I haven't heard that in a long time kind of deal. And then, like, how they end up playing it is very different and becomes almost, like, class-conscious when you look at, like, the bending of, like, the North Pole and other areas of the yeah. world that we'll get into. Uh, and how, like, nature versus nurture becomes a big thing, and there, there's a lot going on in the well, show, and uh, they set it up, like, really organically. It's also, like, a fracturing of the different elements, because without the Avatar around, there's no one really to bring the four different types of bending together. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is important. Yeah, it's a, it, uh, it's a, it's an interesting start. If someone's not like in love with the show from these first couple episodes, I would still heartily encourage them to continue. I saw some really dumb article that was like, "Don't start at the beginning. Start at the episode in season two, blah 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 blah, and then go back to the beginning so you can see the potential of the show realized." And whoever wrote that, I sincerely hope your fingers like break for a day whoa that's, whoa <laughs> that's a little harsh my man maybe it is but that is just like it's a very bad take but yeah uh okay fine no no, no harm no harm befall you but like wow cannot yeah, believe some people. I, I can't think of a better show where i would just be like start at the beginning yeah like i showed my younger brother wrath of khan yesterday and he, is, he hasn't seen any star trek stuff and so, like, I was breaking down, like, what to watch, you know? And that's one where mm-hmm. you always have to be, like, I can't think of a series where I'm, like, I could just be, like, I start at episode one and just watch it, yeah. you know? Where it's, like, the the old Star Trek, it would be, like, look up a best of list. And then it's, like, <laughs> TNG, it's, like, you could probably skip most of the first two, just start at season three. And then it's, like... Deep Space Nine, it's like, look up some stuff you gotta see from the first two seasons, but then just start at three. Most shows, <laughs> most of the Star Trek shows, you gotta start at season three. Yeah, I think only the original series is the only one you start at one and two, and then stop at three. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the inverse. <laughs> and uh, how is, uh, is Discovery on season three yet? Uh, they're heading into season three for this fall. I finally it's... saw the, the premiere. Hmm. Because uh, it's been very rocky, in my opinion. Well, but, I saw uh, the premiere. Anyways, so <laughs> back to Avatar The Last Airbender. The um, where the other show. 
the other <laughs> show. Where are we going with that? Just well, serialized nature? I was just talking about how this is like one of the few shows where I could say you could start at episode one, no qualifiers. Like, I don't have, there's like, there's nothing where I have to say skip X number of episodes. You can just start, just go. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right. Thanks for that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. <laughs> uh, okay. So after Katara and Sokka free Aang, and he's just this little, this little boy in the ice who wants to go penguin sledding and has no idea that a war has been going on for a hundred years or that he is the last airbender. We or also that he's get been to meet frozen. Bison. Yeah. He's been frozen for a hundred years, which is, and, that's, that's how that works. Yeah. Don't, don't cinema sense this. Well, no, I'm just, no, no. What I'm really saying is like, uh, there's a lot of stuff here with like the avatar state in these first few episodes, but they don't define what that is yet, which is interesting. Um, well, yeah, I guess they don't, huh? Because I, I feel like uh, there'd be pressure more these days to e- either define it or turn it into a big mystery box. Whereas here, it's it's just something that happens, and then they're like, "Man, that was weird," and then they just move <laughs> on. <laughs> I mean, this every season of Avatar is you know subtitled book whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's obviously book one, water, um, and it really does play out like a long book though not to get into a whole oh it's not a tv show it's actually whatever okay bullshit. david simon creator of the wire oh, whatever I, the fuck i think that's but, i think that's his name <laughs> I gotta be wrong. no 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 it is it's david simon um, all right love the wire but anyways you get what i'm saying right like it it does take its time with its story and it doesn't it doesn't rush anything along just for the audience to to be satisfied with something immediately and this is a trend that the show will continue as it, you know. Not to progresses. invoke something we've all completely and rightfully turned on in recent months, but it does kind of remind me of the first few Harry Potter books in a weird okay. way. <laughs> I was like, what did Joss Whedon do now? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, like, there's like seven dozen people in like the last month who have all had their like full, their full ass out. Like, it's just yeah, like, no. oh, and masks off. They're all racist and turfs. Like, <laughs> yeah, so they can all go fuck themselves. But, um, but if you, I like your point. Yeah, but you know, like the first like <laughs> like Sorcerer's Stone, where it's like a lot of it is very much like, oh, Harry goes to this weird location, and something weird happens. <laughs> Like, up, oh, he gets all these letters one day. That was weird. And then it's like, up, oh, now he's in this weird wand shop. That's crazy. And, like, that's, like, the first book almost entirely. <laughs> like, to the point where even when you're getting into the climax, it's mostly just, like, the different chambers leading up to the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, and you're like, more new places? Like... <laughs> yeah. And then, like, three starts getting a little, like, uh, you know overarching story and then four just gets crazy with they murder a child at the end of it (laughs) which is like that was like the cool wave of writing harry potter where like you started out like it's kind of like every other book you were reading at the time and then in four it just gets crazy yeah um too bad jk rowling's a fucking turf yeah fuck off no turfs in the chat no turfs not welcome my cat got yeah. up and left at the mention of J.K. Rowling. Yeah, hell yeah, cat. Well, uh, we, uh, we I don't know if there's anything in the opening you have to talk about, but we eventually 
have to get to um, Zuko. Zuko, voiced by Dante Bosco. Who everyone loves, apparently, I guess. Yeah, everyone likes Hook. Oh, yeah, that's what he was in. I was like, why was <laughs> he popular guy? Rufio. Yeah, Rufio. Too bad we never and... got to that in Happy Amblin so we could talk about how Hook's a fucking weird movie. Oh, it's very bizarre. But but we also have to mention uh, Zuko's uncle, Uncle Iroh, voiced by the late, great Mako, who is mm-hmm. no longer with us, of course. But um, maybe the most lovable character or at least maybe the most lovable well, war criminal in all of animated history. Talk about, like, not playing your card early with that character. Because oh my in, God. <laughs> in these first few episodes, when he's in it, you kind of just think he's, like, the bumbling comic relief villain. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he's knocking over shit in the guy's room. And he's like, oh, but my tea's ready. And he's like, he's always wanting food. Because, like, you really think he's like, all right, this is so... When we have to hang out with the villains, it's not, like, too extreme for children. Like, yeah, that's what it cause... feels like for these first five episodes. No, it totally does. And Zuko's like, oh, my honor, blood and vengeance. And then, you yeah. know, Uncle's like, I'm going to play music with our band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it totally is ridiculous. Um, but I, I I guess we can just kind of, like, ebb and flow with, with the rest of these episodes. Because, again, we kind of expect everyone to just keep up with this when they watch it on their own terms. Yeah, this is definitely uh, one where we're not going to like just dig into the plot super deep. You're going to yeah. have to you're going to have to watch the show. Um there are some times where I feel that we will have to, specifically towards the end of the first Oh yeah, season. especially. Yeah. Um but I, I want to say this for two points because the plot is pretty loose at the beginning of this show. And I know there's a lot of um critical discussion about the series that says Avatar The Last Airbender really comes to its own with uh, The Storm, which is episode 12 of this first season. I disagree. I think, even though I was kind of ragging on it a little bit, it comes to its own with The Southern Air Temple. And not just because I have a little nostalgia for that being the first one I remember watching. I think, just in terms of like a visual color palette and its color design... Um, that one really stands out with like the contrasting of the Fire Nation showdown at sunset with like the purples and blues and pinks of the Air Temple with Aang and Sokka and Katara. Uh, I think that episode's like where the art design really like, oh, this isn't going to be like any other show yeah. we've seen in, in our like generation. <laughs> this is really like a distinct project with its own designs and like atmosphere and this also feels like the moment where ang goes from being like kind of just like this happy-go-lucky almost like audience surrogate character because he's being introduced to things that have not happened and that have happened in the hundred years since he's been frozen to suddenly it's like oh he's got like this whole internal struggle going on with not wanting to be the avatar you know he just wanted to be this kid and then like all of this was thrust upon him almost almost like jesus what it's a thing in the bible i know i I know jesus is no i don't mean jesus is a thing in the bible i mean like jesus finds out as a child that he's jesus and then like it suddenly skips ahead to him in his 30s oh and it's like oh that kid probably went through a lot (laughs) 
I mean, even at the end of uh, the the second episode of the the, the two part little premiere, you know, like Katara and and Sokka after rescuing him from Zuko, who we should talk a little bit more about right now. Um, you know, they're asking him why didn't he tell them that he was the Avatar? You know, like he's been gone for a hundred years. What happened? He's like, I never wanted to be. You yeah. know, like it wasn't his choice. And so, I used to be very vocal about being anti, like, um, like chosen one narratives. And I was like, it's boring. It's because then you know how it's all going to play out. And that was me being stupid and closed minded and stuff, right? And I think as long as you pay attention to like the character interiority of your story like you could basically do whatever you want <laughs> like that's that's my take yeah. now well the the chosen one narrative usually sucks because it's usually a way for the author to go it's about this guy without doing like the effort to get you to care <laughs> yeah it's when you know, someone says like oh it was their destiny and it's like okay but yeah. why you know i mean that's also the problem with like to bring it back to harry potter harry potter's like a boring fuck <laughs> he's only the main character because he's the chosen one but he's like the least interesting part of those books, which is like weird that we don't really talk about that. <laughs> that like one of the most popular franchises ever has like the worst lead character ever. Not in terms no, of not, being not, not the worst. Not in terms he... of being an awful person, just in terms of being like a complete blank. He's he's definitely surrounded by much more interesting characters. And mm-hmm. I like that the last story in that seven-part series also acknowledges that. <laughs> that yeah. There's a more interesting guy over there. <laughs> well, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Remember uh, we didn't have to know everything about J.K. Rowling? <laughs> yeah, like, she would have still been a terrible person if she just stopped tweeting. But, like, imagine if she just didn't tweet. It's like, you could be a terrible person in private. You don't have to attack everyone whose existence you disagree with yeah it's crazy fucking monster like i keep mentioning this but what's crazy about her breakdown recently which i'm gonna call it a breakdown to be charitable uh is it's it reveals (laughs) it reveals how much of her free time is spent thinking about these things you know like yeah, remember that? Remember when we did the Hannibal retrospective and I suddenly started dropping all these facts I know about serial killers? <laughs> and it's like, oh no, Matt spends a lot of time thinking about serial killers in his free time. <laughs> Which now that's like a hip thing to do, I guess, but I was doing it before it was cool. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that's really normal then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, <laughs> anyway. Um, but it's just like, it reveals like, oh, she's thinking about this thing, like when she's just sitting by herself in the house, like, in her giant mansion, this is what she thinks about. That is very sad, in a way. Yeah, I mean, I think it is important to remember that, like, she doesn't deserve our sympathy by any means, because she is clearly just a rich, awful person who needs to just stop at all costs. Uh But I think it is okay to, to share just a moment of empathy and be like, that is a little sad. You have, like, everything... And you're still so hateful at people who just struggle to exist without you making it even harder. While I definitely agree about having, like, a bit of empathy, it's just, it's kind of crazy that literally the world is being destroyed by people all like that. (laughs) No, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying to extend an olive branch in any capacity or anything like that. But it's just, it's just nuts. Like, it's like, you know, again, a, a problem with, 
shows like this a little bit is that all the villains on it tend to have like these deep complicated motivations and literally we have people that are the villains of the world that are like my dad didn't hug me enough (laughs) (laughs) and so I'm gonna blow up the whole fucking world funny that you mentioned that exact thing which we will return to in about two seasons (laughs) And, and also now um because Zuko banished Prince of the Fire Lord and probably one of my favorite characters in anything ever uh, is doomed to search the world for the Avatar. So it, it was basically just like he's in exile and he'll never be able to return home. So He was given like a nothing mission because he wasn't expected to actually accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. And so when he suddenly does, then it actually ends up making things worse for him, <laughs> which is which is really interesting. Um, but I like how that's slowly pieced out because he's kind of just the villain in the first two episodes. And then slowly we start like putting the pieces together of, oh, he's he's been forced out here because no one likes him. <laughs> and he's kind of been put on his own. And that's when you start getting the glimpses of Uncle Iroh kind of being like this voice of reason in his life. Or at least trying to be. The show gets more into it too, but, you know, he did commit war crimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... Like, I love Iroh, but, you know. That's a weird thing that a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of, like, genre media, especially, like, high fantasy, where it's, if you, because I I do, I love me a villain who becomes, like, part of the gang at some point. Like, I love that arc, but it's also, like, a thing of, like, how many times we forgive, like, the worst shit. Like, where it's like, oh, yeah, war criminals, all right. But he had some sort of connection now, and how he wears a different shirt, and his hair's in a different thing. So I guess he's cool now. <laughs> like, I think Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z is, like, the perfect example of that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to save for Dragon Ball Z discussion. Never um, gonna happen. I, I, I've never seen it all the way through or anything, so I just, Well, you know what? I don't... To- not to dunk on Dragon Ball Z, which I, I'm definitely opening up a can of worms if we go there. But one thing, I've tried to revisit Dragon Ball Z because it was a big part of my childhood. But one thing that's made it very difficult is that's a show where, like, most of the episode is characters, like, standing around yelling at each other. And then they'll, like, briefly fight. <laughs> you know? Uh because well, you kind of remember it as, like, this action-packed series, and it's usually, like, long conversations with bursts of action. It, it plays a little differently now, but this is a show where the action really delivers. That's something that I think goes under-discussed with this, maybe, where the action on this show is fantastic, like, right from the get-go. I will go to bat for this forever. I think the third episode is where I, I think most people come to terms with, like, oh, this this show really is not pulling punches, like, with its creativity. Because, like, the the showdown that Zuko has with Commander Zhao, um, when they're, like, you know, because no one gives a shit about Zuko except for Uncle Iroh, uh, and Zhao is just, like, a horrible asshole who wants to burn a child. Because <laughs> these the protagonists are children. It's important to remember that. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> which is, like, crazy fucked up. Um, that, that fight is, like, really good. And it's not that complicated... But it's so, like, exciting. Like, the visual, like, angles and, like, the the dynamic, like, movements of the characters is really great. Well, even just Aang escaping from the Fire Nation ship in, like, the second episode is, like, fantastic. 
Yeah. And it really shows that, like, that's kind of like the on-the-surface secret formula. Like, we could talk about all this depth, but there's plenty of stories with depth, and sometimes we kind of focus on that when we ignore the fact that, like, oh, actually, no, all these powers are kind of, like, really cool. (laughs) It's, like, on the surface, like, Star Wars rules because space battles are awesome and laser sword fights are really cool. (laughs) Now, there's, of course, a lot more to Star Wars, but we can't ignore that that's kind of the thing that gets butts in seats. (laughs) And here it's, like, all the bending stuff on the show is always, like, really fantastic and fun to watch. It's never boring. Yeah, which kind of actually is a good way to jump into the the Warriors of Kyoshi chapter four, um, which just further like continues elevating everything because then Sokka has to confront like his own like misogynistic tendencies and like like I, I agree with your point that like oh he's he's trying to to man up in a way that that is basically just toxic because it's not actually like helpful and yeah. so he has he he gets uh, humble real quick when he gets his butt handed to him. Um, but I think that's why kind of Sokka wasn't all there for me in the first two episodes. He doesn't have a conflict, really. Like I wouldn't. Not, I not, wouldn't. not a big one. Not a big one, I guess. Not, mm-hmm. a, not a direct in-the-moment conflict. There's something happening with the character. But... Well, he's kind of bumbling in the first two episodes. Yeah, and I love Sokka because he just continues to bumble. But he's not an idiot. There's a real sadness, though, in the first two episodes of him trying to, like, be the warrior and just failing entirely. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, because he's just a little—he's just a boy. Yeah, it's—it is sad. But like you said, yeah, we get in, and I want to—I don't want to downplay the Warriors of Kyoshi. This gets weird really quick. I don't maybe weird's not the right word, but like I—I I didn't expect it to go where it goes in a not overt way to the point where like it feels like one of those things where they maybe the makers of it—I don't know—they must have been—they must have known what they were doing. Because this is an episode where it's very, like, oh, they run into, like, some women warriors, which is, like, a common thing on shows like this. And so it turns out that thing where, like, the guy's like, oh, I how'd these guys beat up beat us? And it's like, we're not guys, we're women, you know? And it's like, oh, women can fight too. But it goes deeper than that in this episode, which, one, uh, by the end of it, he is wearing their ceremonial armor, which is made for women. So he's he, by the end of it, he is dressing up as a woman, and it's not, and it's like something where it's like, no, that's powerful. It's not like you know the women in this aren't like shedding their. It's not the thing where it's like, oh, they're a tomboy because they wear jeans or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still wearing overtly feminine clothing, but they're still warriors. And but then on top of that, they're the warriors of Kyoshi because the village is named after the Avatar Kyoshi, right? Who was a woman. And in that moment, it's like, oh, Aang is like, hey, I was a woman in a past life. <laughs> like, that's kind of like that. Maybe it's just me from the year 2020 looking at but you, That's a really interesting thing to throw into a children's show in the year 2005. I think it's great. <laughs> like, yeah. I, mean, like yeah, I, know, I know you're agreeing, but like. It, it's one of those things that you, you go back at this show and you're watching it and you're still entertained and it just hits you that this show is operating on levels that you can't really fathom until you've experienced a little more of life yourself. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's just that thing of like I didn't – because again, I watched this when it aired. That stuff didn't register with me like on – you know, it wasn't like I walked away with it with like suddenly an understanding of like – 
you know, non-binary genders or something like that. <laughs> but it definitely must have registered in some way in my brain. But I did it, it like coming back to me. It was like whoa, like I I just didn't expect it that early in the show. And it, it feels like something even progressive for right now. Like I feel like if an episode did something like this right now, it would still be really cool. But this was 2005. So many people would be so mad online right now, and they would still need to be ignored, obviously. But I just know those same people that unabashedly love The Last Airbender, uh, at least a handful of them are going on to be like, ah, Brie Larson's on YouTube now? You know, and they just don't get the messages of the yeah. show. Not that not that the messages themselves are, like, going to be 100% pure or anything like that all the time, like we've been talking about, but... Well, I'm also willing to bet a lot of those people are have probably have a video up called How Legend of Korra Ruined Avatar. <laughs> we'll get into that, but I mean that that is something that will get interesting. <laughs> I'm just going to be so I'm mad all the time now about everything. I'm that's, not mad that's... all the time. It again, not to be like not to approach it from an empathetic angle, but whenever I see stuff like that, it's like Oh my god, I just wish you could enjoy this like I enjoy it. Like, some there's a video, there's a thing going around, I, sh- I shared it the other day, where someone has uploaded a three-hour critique of The Force Awakens. And that's, like, one part of, like, a series they've been doing. Oh my god. And it's like, dude. Like, <laughs> like I, you know... I'm sorry you don't like the movie. I wish you did, but you gotta move on at some point. And, like, you're just hurting yourself at this point. <laughs> and again, and to bring it back to, like, how dudes would be outraged about this today, I think that's more evidence of that a lot of what is fucking up our society right now is how algorithm-based things are. Because it elevates that sort of hate that would have probably not risen up in a pre-YouTube, pre-algorithm YouTube world. That's really depressing, but I also think insightful and kind of optimistic because I think YouTube's going to die in the next decade. Um, yeah, or either that or we all are. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's up in the air at the moment, but I'm optimistic. Sure. <laughs> I'm trying here. I'm trying here. Um, I, I literally have I've, – I've literally for the past, like, two weeks, I have been actively planning my exit strategy for the United States. <laughs> Uh, speaking of exit strategies, the the gang doesn't get to spend too long on Kyoshi because Aang's the Avatar, and this one is really exciting for a lot of reasons because we also get to to meet Suki, who is a great character who I always I always wish was in the show more, but I'm also grateful she's in it as much as she is. Um, but also, this is like the result of this episode is why they realize that Aang just can't go around being like I'm the Avatar all the time. Yeah, like they learn very quickly that like oh. Like, it's not fair and it's a burden for him, but he can't, like, be himself all the time right now. Not until things are made a little better, at least. Well, Aang also learns the lesson of maybe don't be a show-off dick. <laughs> oh, that, that too, yeah, because he, he is very cocky and trying to make Katara <laughs> jealous and yeah, yeah. all that jazz. Which is, a, okay, that's what's another weird thing about the show is that especially in the early seasons, a lot of the conflicts are, like, really small, almost sitcom-y conflicts that are, the characters go through. But then by the end, it's like, they're child soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> like, it gets, it, it's it's nuts. The slow burn's pretty cool. Not even by the end of the, the season. We're 
our next recording of the next five episodes. They got some stuff to touch on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like not not to to even like criticize anymore. I actually think that's what's a benefit of the first season is that it's it's slowness. No, no, I wasn't. That wasn't a criticism from me either. Um, that I that's what I love about it. I like that you know because if you if you take your swings too early, then we're just gonna get burned out. Yeah, and I mean, how many fucking shows like? So many great shows have, like, one great season, and then they stick around for a couple more, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's Salon. Yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, they should have just stopped. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's Walking Dead in a nutshell. Oh. Uh, well, and that's I was actually... going to say Heroes. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, fucking Heroes, man. <laughs> was this the same year as Heroes? I think Heroes came out, like like, around the same time. Man, I remember I got the first season of Heroes on DVD because, like, I just couldn't keep up with it when it was on TV. And I remember being up late, like, all night just watching episodes of Heroes and just being like, holy shit, holy shit. And then season two, man, was like, wow. What a bummer. <laughs> yeah. But uh, n- none of these episodes are bummers. And I just want to talk about The King of Amashi really quickly because for some reason I, I could not tell you why. I wanted to um, like rewatch more of this, and I couldn't afford like the entire like season box sets. I don't even know if they had the season box sets actually. Like, um, uh, yeah, the time I, I, this aired. Oh, uh, oh, okay, yeah, when they aired, I, now they have them, of course. Oh no, no, now they have them. I'm, I, I'm got my finger ready to purchase the the Angkor Blu-ray box set as we speak. But um, at the yeah. time, I, I wanted to just rewatch more of it, and you know, I didn't have cable, so I was like, well, I have iTunes. So I just bought an episode, and I was like, oh, I'll just rewatch this one. And it was The King of Omashu. So for some reason, I've seen The King of Omashu, like, more times than any other episode in the first season. (laughs) Man, do you remember Uh, watching stuff on iTunes? I do, actually. I still have an iTunes account. You know, no, same. But I was just thinking, like, I used to watch, like, I used to watch videos on my iPod. (laughs) That seems like such a, like, you know, like an ancient notion at this point. God, yeah, and that was only like fifteen years ago. Yeah, I remember. I remember downloading when YouTube was like first getting big. I would download videos from YouTube and put them on my iPod, and I was like, "I'm a genius." <laughs> and then I bought connectors that I could connect the iPod to my TV, and then I could watch them on my TV. Oh, what fun we had! Speaking of fun, uh, the King of Omashu is not an episode that has as much going on in it, but it's a really cute heartfelt little adventure that you don't real realize is like really cute and heartfelt until the ending because at first you're like oh this is like kind of horrifying yeah this uh <laughs> to me it was more uh this was the episode to kind of show off what earthbenders can do um because up until now we've had airbending firebending and waterbending and there was there was earthbending in was there, was there any bending in the warriors of Kyoshi, or were they all just warriors? No, they're all just warriors, but Aang yeah. does get to use the fans in a really cool way that I really liked. Yeah, yeah, but uh, this is the episode where it's like, oh, here's what the earthbenders do. Um, which also is kind of why it's the, the war that's going on seems to be primarily between the Fire Nation and the Earth Nation, and you can kind of see why in this episode. <laughs> Yeah, and really cool just, like, fantasy world elements with, like, how they they use, like, the, this, like, shoot and pulley system by bending the earth. Yeah, And yeah. so that's how they get their, like, mail and their goods. And 
it's like the world's most exciting version of USPS. Yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, uh, why'd you have to bring that up, man? I, I'm sorry, I know, I, I, as soon as I said it, I was like, fuck. Yeah, god, this, everything just sucks right now. I know, I'm, I'm uh, so sorry. It's just, it's all fucking bullshit. It's fucking people. Anyway, uh, yeah, the earthbending's fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's another one of those great moments where it's like, oh, these people have thought out this world. Like, like it's clear that they were kind of sitting on these ideas for a long time before they finally got the chance to implement them. Yeah. And I'm sure once they started collaborating with people, everyone added their own things, but you can tell that they, they had enough to build off of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's... It's on, on the, the character side of things. Uh, it's nice that after that brief spat in the... The, the Southern Air Temple where Aang is like, I really am the last airbender. Like, I'm all that's left of my time. He gets to run into an old friend who is, like, 112 years old. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's very sweet. It's not, it's not a huge, like, in-depth episode, but it's episodes like this that really, like, help you attach to the characters more. And it's just not all doom and gloom because this is a horrifying situation that the characters live in and maybe a little too relatable if we're just being frank given the state of the world at the moment. But um, it's it's a nice reprieve. Well, and, uh, uh, yeah, and it's a little obvious what the twist is going to be in this episode involving Boomy. But, oh, uh, yeah, no, it's crazy obvious, like right from the bat. But And, yeah. and like, I guess, <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't read, like, any critiques of it, but I could imagine someone watching this for the first time and be like, why didn't he notice? Yeah. But whatever, whatever, it's cute. Hey. It's... It's nice. I can't blame a kid for not being able to understand that his friend was going to age by a hundred years. <laughs> I guess, yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess age works differently in uh, the Avatar world too because they just take care of the Earth better. Uh, I have no idea. That was one thing. Not to get ahead of myself, but one thing about Legend of Korra was I was a little annoyed with how many people from the original series were still alive. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, you know. We'll definitely get to that, for sure. Wait, for sure. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's a, it's a solid first five episodes, some real high points, no real low points. And uh, I hope everyone keeps tuning in because I have never been this excited to do a retrospective series. And I, I, I will convince you to do James Cameron's. I, I feel it in my bones that we will there do is that. There is no way it will happen during this. Look, man, it's just not going to happen. I don't know. I got a good feeling. We, I want to do a James Cameron retrospective, is the thing. And I want to save that for when the Avatar sequels are coming out. Also, if the world really is going to fall apart this year, I don't want to waste that time watching Avatar. <laughs> The movie. It's, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. I know, but it's not a movie if I can watch anything else. I'd rather have my time. I'd rather All watch right. this show. I'm, I've already resigned to the fact that we're going to have to watch the last Airbender movie. Watch it be like some secret masterpiece. No. Nope. <laughs> hey, I, I've been on board with Shyamalan for a while again, so who knows? Look, as someone who was down, who was against, like, I did not enjoy Glass, I did not enjoy Split, those movies look like fucking the Magnificent Ambersons compared to, <laughs> <laughs> compared to The Last Airbender. Like, 
It's last Airbender. Like I can't even blame Shyamalan for it. It's so bad. But no, there, that, there there's clearly like other issues with that film. Yeah, there's, it feels like there's like a million things went wrong with it. But yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah. And I and I'm excited to continue and uh, watch more. I, I'm really just looking forward to watching all these episodes for the fifteenth time. Um, but next time we will be talking about the next five episodes: Chapter Six, Imprisoned. Chapter 7, The Spirit World, Avatar Roku, The Waterbending Scroll, and Chapter 10, Jet, which is also directed by Dave Filoni again. So, everyone watch those. We'll be back next week. And before we go, before Uh we go, I would like to introduce a segment I would like to do for this retrospective. (laughs) This segment is called Matt Takes... BuzzFeed Avatar The Last Airbender quizzes. Oh my god. <laughs> I feel like to bring it back to the Tumblr era. Okay. I have to I have to take a quiz every episode <laughs> to figure out so and this so the one I chose for tonight is which Avatar The Last Airbender character are you? From 2015. Are you ready, Diego? I'm ready. Ready for this just juicy shit? Just just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, first question. Which quote-unquote avatar animal do you wish were real? The koala sheep? The dragon? The saber-tooth moose lion? The sky bison? The turtle duck? Or the badger mole? Sky bison. Uh, I feel like I'm gonna have to go with Sky Bison. I agree with you, Diego. Because, um, man, I wonder what character I'm gonna end up being. <laughs> <laughs> Which of these would you want for lunch? I can't do this because it's like a visual thing. Mm-hmm. One looks like pixie sticks. The other looks like soups. One's clearly sushi. One's got an avocado. I want to pick the one that looks like it has chicken in it. (laughs) Don't know what that means. Which Avatar line do you quote the most? Oh, you know how I'm always quoting Avatar around you. Oh, yeah, naturally. Yeah, yeah. Ha, 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 ha. Gravity. That's rough, buddy. I am the Melon Lord. Pride is not the opposite of shame, but it sorts. I will never turn my back on people who need me. Well, I definitely say that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Always always standing by people, so I'm going to pick that one. If you were on Team Avatar, remember how we called them Team Avatar back in the day? You remember? Called the gang Team Avatar, Diego? (laughs) I called them the gang. Yeah, well, they're called Team Avatar, apparently. Okay. Where would you go for your vacation? The Western Air Temple. I feel like that'd be a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Um, Omashu, anywhere with good shopping. <laughs> ba Sing Se, Ember Island, or the Northern Water Tribe Capital. All of these are bad choices. <laughs> I'm going to go Island. With... Okay. <laughs> I was going to go with Omashu because they have the fun slides. Oh, but yeah. Def... But they get... Never mind. I'll defer to you, Diego. Okay. 
I don't think Ember Island was a great place, but <laughs> no, no, no. They have a they got nice stuff there. All right, who's your favorite um, fighting duo? Zuko and Ang, Ang Gatara, um, Sokka and Suki, <laughs> Toph and herself. <laughs> talking herself just yeah i'm just gonna go, i'm not even gonna read the rest that's the one yeah yeah that's yeah. that's good oh good lord this quiz is a lot longer than i thought it was i'm sorry which unnamed character do you want a backstory for crewman with a birthday foaming <laughs> <What is> <laughs> what is this i don't know foaming mouth guy remember him oh yeah um, cabbage merchant, the Ember Island players. There you uh, go. S- sparky, Sparky, Boom Man. Or Foo Foo Cuddly Poops. I don't remember that one. Oh, I remember Foo Foo Cuddly Poops. Oh, I'm excited to revisit that. I'm going with the Ember Island players. All right. Because I I just want to see what they're doing when the war's over and they're they're no longer promoting propaganda. <laughs> Pick an Appa to love. Oh, it's all these, like, meme pictures of Appa. Um, I'm gonna look the one where he looks the most defeated. <laughs> okay, we- oh, we finished the quiz! Yay, what'd you get? We got... Toph! I don't- I don't know how, honestly. <laughs> I- I don't either. Here's why. You're comfortable in your own skin, and you've learned how to be independent and confident. Well, that sums me up perfectly. Though it wasn't easy, definitely. You don't take BS from anyone. Oh, this never mind. This is perfect. And everyone knows not to try. Yeah. Sometimes you wish you could show affection more easily. I don't know about that. But you know the people who really matter understand that you're trying. Just for the record, uh, you will meet Toph in later seasons of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah. If you have not watched the, the show for the first time, watch the I show. I know, I know, but like, if someone's just like, "Oh, I'll check out the first five episodes so I can listen to this podcast," and you're like, "Oh, we got Toph," they're not going to know Toph. You know what I just realized <laughs> doing this? What we replaced Buzzfeed quizzes with zodiac signs, Matt. This is like how this is how everyone's zodiac reads. Whenever everyone's like, "Oh, I'm a Cancer, and my moon is in the whatever," it means I'm a classy per. I don't know. Like, I, I'm not trying to drag people for being into that because, like, I think it's kind of cool, but I also don't understand it at all, and I don't intend to try. So I'm not trying to drag anyone either, but I think it's silly and ridiculous. <laughs> my my sign is Gemini Man Will Smith CGI clone rising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matt, where can the people find you? Wait, is it in high frame rate too? Wasn't that movie yes. shot in high frame rate? It was shot in like 120 FPS. It's beautiful. Yeah. How'd that go? I love it. What's that guy up to? Oh, <laughs> Matt, where can the people find you? <laughs> Uh, I'm just I'm glad this is how we ended it. Um, I'm the Emperor <laughs> OTN1 at Twitter.com. Oh, no. You can um, find me uh, at Twitter.com. I'm going to love Crespo. Check I out am loving this. <laughs> you got the Waddle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. You can get. Other episodes of this Avatar retrospective, the last 
Legend of the Last Retrospective. It's not actually the last retrospective, just to know everyone. Um, early on <laughs> Patreon, so go check that out and check out other stuff we're working on too. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. My grandmother used to tell me stories about the old days. A time of peace. When the Avatar kept balance between the Water Tribes, Earth Kingdom, Fire Nation, and Air Nomads. But that all changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar mastered all four elements. Only he could stop the ruthless firebenders. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years have passed, and the Fire Nation is nearing victory in the war. Two years ago, my father and the men of my tribe journeyed to the Earth Kingdom to help fight against the Fire Nation, leaving me and my brother to look after our tribe. Some people believe that the Avatar was never reborn into the Air Nomads and that the cycle is broken. But I haven't lost hope. I still believe that somehow, the Avatar will return to save the world.